Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. The most controversial elected official in St. Louis right now has to be Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner. I don't have polling data to prove that, but I do know that Gardner provokes a strong reaction from just about anybody you talk to. A lot of police officers hate her. A lot of progressives see her as a martyr, and never the twain shall meet. So what is the truth about Kim Gardner? St. Louis Magazine staff writer Nicholas Phillips recently spent many weeks digging deeply into that question. And the result is an 8,000-word story, yes, 8,000 words, that really gets at the heart of Gardner's three-and-a-half-year tenure. It's called Her Own Counsel. Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner has upended criminal justice in the city and made plenty of enemies along the way. Will voters give her four more years? It's a great question. And with me today to discuss it is Nicholas Phillips of St. Louis Magazine. So, Nick, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Sarah. So you obviously spent a lot of time on this story, put a lot of words into it. What were you hoping to determine when you first took this on? Yeah, well, my first goal was to simply give voters the information they need to decide whether to reelect Kim Gardner. You know, so how, how she's running the office, how the office is functioning, all that stuff. But my second goal was to answer the question, who is this person? And this is an official whose decisions have a huge impact on people's lives. And she has a a big impact on how safe people feel walking in their neighborhoods. She has an impact on victims of crime and on crime perpetrators themselves. So she has this really big impact, but she's been kind of a mystery. She doesn't talk about herself a lot. She doesn't give a ton of press conferences. And so what's happened is these really extreme narratives that you just mentioned have taken hold. I mean, you know, her critics say that she's unethical or incompetent or she empowers criminals, whereas she and her supporters say, no, she's making needed reforms. She's holding unethical police officers to account. And because she's disrupting the status quo, there's a a racially motivated conspiracy against her. And that claim in particular has gotten national headlines. So I just wanted to find out which of these narratives is true. Who is the real Kim Gardner? And so did you come to an answer to that question? Who is the real Kim Gardner? It's a very complicated answer. Um, I guess that's why you needed 8,000 words. (laughs) Exactly. 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 But did you find yourself um, coming away um, favoring one of those narratives more than the other? Is, is she doing a decent job or is she a train wreck? Well, I think I think there is there are elements or kernels of truth on both sides of the arg- of that argument. Um, you know, certainly, like, I, I think a lot of people don't really know much about her background. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people already know that she she grew up in St. North St. Louis her family has been in the funeral home business for almost a century up there. They they have a funeral home on Natural Bridge Road. And a lot of people also know that she was this incredible athlete in high school. She, you know, she took part in school desegregation and went to Webster Groves High School. When she was there, she won all kinds of like state titles, and cross country and track. And then she got this athletic scholarship to Mississippi State. But it's not not a lot of people know that when she was 20 years old in college, she actually gave birth to her daughter. Mm-hmm. And she told me that that experience really forced her to grow up. And she ended up transferring back home to Harris-Stowe to complete her education. And then right after that is when she went to law school at St. Louis University. And what do you think motivates her um, as a politician? What do you think made her run for the circuit attorney's office, say, in the first place? You know, she strikes me as somebody who sees problems in her community and she frankly sees you know 
lot of racial disparities in wealth and health and education and stuff like that. But And she wants to address that stuff. But she strikes me as someone who's kind of searching where she can be the most useful. Hmm. And that's so, you know, what does that search look like? It's after law school. She spent a few years as an assistant circuit attorney. She, she got certified as a registered nurse. And then she got elected to two terms in, this, in the Missouri House of Representatives. Uh, and then finally, 2016 comes and Jennifer Joyce announces she's not going to run anymore. And so the gardener throws her hat in the ring and then she wins. Mm-hmm. And that obviously, I mean, she ends up, as you detail in this story, she ends up such a lightning rod. And there are a number of different things um, where, as you write, even the basic facts about her tenure spark some fierce debates. I want to talk about a couple of those things here today on the air, since I think you did a great job of just getting to the bottom of some of these things that have always existed as sort of he said versus they said. Um, One of them has to do with um, the state's attorney general. This is uh, Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt. And he blasted her on Twitter. This was the day after a rough night in St. Louis. Numerous businesses were vandalized. Um, Things just got really ugly out on the streets. Four police officers were shot. A retired police officer was murdered. And Attorney General Eric Schmidt wrote, in a stunning development, our office has learned that every single one of the St. Louis looters and rioters arrested were released back onto the streets by local prosecutor Kim Gardner. This tweet went viral. Was that a fair criticism on Eric Schmidt's part? You know, my reporting suggests pretty strongly that that was not accurate. What I found is that spokespeople for both the police and the prosecutors said that about three dozen people were arrested in that unrest. And but the, with the majority, the police did not go over and apply for charges. Hmm. The spokespeople also you know, said that if the police don't apply for charges, then the circuit attorney's office doesn't make the decision to release them. So that right there kind of pokes a hole in in the attorney general's uh, tweets. So in a lot of these, the police weren't trying to push these cases. They just brought some initial thing enough to hold these people. The next step would be on them. And you're saying in, in many of these cases, they hadn't done that. Right. I'm saying, yeah, what I'm saying, what I found is that it it appears that the circuit attorney's office didn't even get the chance to weigh in on whether they should be released or not. The police didn't bring over their cases to the circuit attorney's office for for the majority. I mean, we're talking about 36 people and some of them they did bring over. Mm-hmm. And, the, and those people were, in fact, released before they were charged. And so in terms of the people where they brought over, um, did she end up charging anybody um, because of what happened that night? Yeah, the last I looked, they had char- the circuit attorney's office had charged, I think, s- at least seven. Okay. About eight or nine. So when he's saying, when Eric Schmidt is saying, our office has learned that every single one of the St. Louis looters and rioters have been released back into the streets. Um, if you're taking the long view of what happened that night, that is not the case. I don't, I, it does not appear to be the case. Interesting. You also went in depth on her statistics as the circuit attorney's office. And I know it's so hard to get to the bottom of statistics when it, it goes to how a prosecutor is doing. But you really did your best to try to get to the bottom of this. What did you find out about her trial conviction rate? Oh, yeah. Well, the trial conviction rate is for Kim Gardner is a little bit lower than it was under the, under the last three years of, of, of the Jennifer Joyce administration. But I should point out that that's that is really a small slice of what's actually happening. A lot of people think that you know criminal cases get resolved at trial, but really only a small sliver actually do. Mm-hmm. So, but what it, what that does sort of show is it, it's kind of a window into the health and the health of the office. And um, so, 
Kim Gardner's trial conviction rate is a little bit lower. I think it was in the, in the low 50s, if I recall, whereas um, Jennifer Joyce's was in, I think, I think 70 or 71. Okay. So she's not winning as many cases at trial. But what about overall convictions? You make a pretty good argument in your story that this is, is maybe the more important statistic to be looking at. I, I think it is more important. So the most interesting stat I got was this was this was that difference in convictions. So if you look at the last six years, the level of reported crime is really not that different. It, it, it's it's down just a little bit under Circuit Attorney Gardner versus her uh, predecessor. Versus her predecessor, yeah. But in Jennifer Joyce's last three years, I, I think she got maybe eleven thousand convictions, whereas in Kim Gardner's first three years, she got about seventy five hundred. So there's like this 4,000 conviction gap that hmm. we're looking at. And the big question there is, does that gap mean that certain offenses are just going unpunished? And if that's true, are city residents less safe as a result? And I am very sorry to tell you, Sarah, <laughs> that the short answer is the data is inconclusive uh, to my mind about that. And, and what um, would you need to know um, in order to yeah. feel like you could come to a conclusion from that data? Yeah, well, exactly. So you need to know... Uh, how the convictions that she is getting are broken down by offense. Mm-hmm. So, so she'll say, "Hey, of course I'm convicting fewer people. I'm not trying to, you know, rack up my numbers. I'm not charging people for petty marijuana offenses anymore. I'm trying to reduce mass incarceration, and instead, I'm just pri- prioritizing the most serious and complex cases. But it's impossible to tell whether that's true because the, the, her data doesn't break down convictions that she is getting by." by offense. And by the way, I don't think a lot of, I should say, I don't think a lot of prosecutors in the United States are actually doing that either. So she's not, she's not like an outlier. Mm-hmm. All I'm saying is I can't evaluate her claim on that score. Now, we do know that she's no longer prosecuting possession of marijuana when it's less than 100 grams. So that's obviously a piece of it. We also know that the U.S. Attorney's Office is picking up more cases than they used to in St. Louis City. Is it possible that them picking up all these cases would account for this drop in overall convictions coming out of the circuit attorney's office? No, according to the math, the math I've seen, that that does not cover, that does not bridge the gap. I mean, I, th- I think Jeff Jensen's office, the U.S. attorney, I think they're handling like maybe 14 or 1,500 criminal defendants now, whereas before under Jennifer Joyce, they were handling maybe 900. And so that's just, the, it just doesn't, the math, the numbers there just don't bridge the gap. So that that is not a full explanation. So there's still a significant discrepancy between what was done in the final three years of her predecessor versus what she's doing here um, in the three years she's yeah. been in office. And again, I, I do want to emphasize, I'm not sure whether this gap is a bad thing or a good thing. That's something that we all should be concerned about and, and you know, think about and explore. But I just didn't have the tools to, to get to get at that. I want to um, uh, throw another question at you. This one comes from Twitter. It comes from Tom. And he asks, why does the circuit attorney's office have so many fewer prosecutors or so few prosecutors remaining compared to when Gardner took over? There has been a lot of talk about turnover in her office. Is uh, How bad is the turnover problem based on what you were able to find out? Well, so I found you, you have to, you know, you have some perspective on this. So when Jennifer Joyce earned her second term, she came in and she changed the structure of that office. And a lot of people didn't like it and they left. So I think she, in her, in the first three years after she did that, Jennifer Joyce did that, I think she lost like 88 people. Hmm. In Kim Gardner's first three years, she lost, she's lost 125 at least. So that's a lot of people. And it's a lot of people. Um, I think that, I think her office is like, has an average of 140. Um, and, but 
I think importantly here, a lot of those people that have left were really experienced prosecutors. And, you know, putting aside like prosecutorial philosophy, mm-hmm. convicting someone still requires a certain amount of technical knowledge and know-how. And a lot of those people with that experience have, have walked out the door. And you know, I think that I think that has had real consequences. And also the fact that she just has fewer lawyers working for her than her predecessor did. So that has, from what I understand, that has slowed down the gears of justice. Hmm. Uh, so the defendants are not getting to trial as fast as they would have. And they're not getting, um, they're not getting, you know, out of jail as fast as they would have under a fully staffed circuit attorney's office. Hmm. Now, Nick, I know you got some good access uh, to people who were close to her or people who'd previously been close to her working in this office. What's your takeaway from what they told you about how she's doing as, as circuit attorney or what she's like as, as a manager? Yeah, I mean, not everyone agrees, but I, I, you know, I spoke to some high level people that used to be in her office. So take that for a grain of salt. They're no longer there. And so take that into account. These are people who resigned and they said, look, her, her reforms and her ideas are, are amazing. They're great. They're necessary. They're urgent. But she just, in, in their view, she has not um, kind of shown the managerial skill to get, to get some of those reforms into place. Hmm. Um, and so, you know, that's, that, that's, that's what I hear from those. But, you know, on the other hand, she has done some things that I think are pretty forward looking and uh, and pretty interesting. We got an email from one of our listeners. Um, This is from Candy. And Nick, she's actually uh, addressed this to you. She writes, I read the profound story you wrote about Kim Gardner, and I feel like I know her from the girl next door beginnings to all of her accomplishments more recently. What intrigued me the most was her focus and push to do the right thing, no matter what adversity she faced. I would think this is the type of person we would want to rely on to ensure a fair justice process going forward. My question is, does Ms. Gardner have future plans to one day run for president of the United States. And Nick, I think this is a great example of the polarization that surrounds her for everybody who has the questions like Tom on Twitter wondering about that turnover rate. There are people who really love and support Kim Gardner. Do you know what her long-term plans might be? You know, I I really don't. That's a really interesting question. I I will say that she could probably make more money in the private sector. She has consistently chosen to do public service. Mm -hmm. So I, I would imagine that after you know, no one stays circuit attorney forever, whether you're whether you just leave or whether you're voted out. And so I would imagine that, you know, she would she would run for some kind of other office after after her tenure at the circuit attorney's office is over. Hmm. Now, right now, she's running for reelection. She has an opponent who previously was very experienced in the prosecutor's office. That's Mary Pat Carl, who has also been on this show before. Um, what kind of case is Kim Gardner making, Nick, for her reelection? Um, I think she I think it's a a, a you know, I want to continue what I'm already doing. Obviously, I, I think she's probably making the case. It seems that she's making the case that, hey, obviously I've struck a nerve uh, with the old, the old guard and the establishment because they're so against me. So that means I must be doing something right. And she wants to keep building on the stuff she's already doing, like you know, di- like excuse me, like diversion and things like that, and some you know her different prosecutorial philosophy about, you know, some of these petty marijuana offenses and things like that. So if you want, if you like what she's doing, uh, you want to sign on for four more years. If you're among these critics, uh, you might want to choose somebody else. It sounds like she's not planning to change gears at this point. 
No, I think I think it's just, she. No, I, I agree with that. I think she just wants to build on the stuff that she's doing. Um, you know, both candidates have websites, and you can read about what they believe in and what they believe that their strengths are. So I would encourage I would encourage all voters to, to to do that work. And I would encourage all voters also to check out Nick's story. It is a long read, um, but it's a good read. There's a lot of information there, and that's on St. Louis Magazine's website. It's right at the top of the site. If you go there now, we're also linking to it on our website, which is stlpublicradio.org, and St. Louis Magazine reporter Nicholas Phillips. I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. That's 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.